0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's look at British Columbia. Dr. Michael Curry joins us, University of British Columbia Professor in Vaccination and Infectious Diseases, Chief of Emergency Medicine at Delta Hospital. Dr. Curry, thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're very busy. COVID numbers... Thank you for having me, Roy. Yes, sir. COVID numbers continue to climb in British Columbia. What are you seeing on the ground at the ER and ICU levels? So I think we're seeing two big changes from this time last year.
1: So last year when we were seeing COVID patients, it was primarily the elderly and people who were living in long-term care facilities. The face of the average COVID patient's a lot younger this year. So between vaccination and And the past exposures in long-term care we're not seeing the elderly anymore we're seeing younger patients with COVID. most of them are not as sick as the patients we saw last year but we're seeing greater numbers so even though they're healthier and less likely to get sick we're seeing a lot more a lot more people coming in and they're a lot younger the second thing that we're seeing is last year people were scared to go to the emergency department here in British Columbia, we were in very strict lockdown at this time a year ago, and people were scared they were going to get COVID going out or going to the emergency department. So we were actually quite slow for almost everything else. So uh, we felt a little bit like the Maytag repairman sitting around with actually very few patients. So when we did have a COVID patient, we had a lot of resources and ability to help them. This year, people aren't scared of COVID as much anymore. People have resumed more of their regular activities, and people are not scared to come to the emergency department. So, we're at our baseline level of busyness with, you know, heart attacks, strokes, traumatic injuries, and the other things that bring people to the emergency department. And on top of that regular level of business, we have the COVID patients on top. We're managing okay right now in British Columbia. We still do have icu capacity and room to put the sickest of the sick but you have to be very careful the exponential growth you can expect with a virus can really rapidly swamp you we haven't reached that point yet but we're getting closer to it unfortunately
0: Uh, layman's question here Uh, you mentioned younger demos uh, appearing at, at the icu and the er so the younger ones at this point are not being vaccinated at least not in large numbers with, mm-hmm. with, with with these still limited vaccine supplies in Canada and the younger Canadians not able to be vaccinated yet, is this a ticking time bomb which will allow COVID to mutate further and learn to attack the most resilient, the young, thereby placing older and less resilient to infection Canadians who are not vaccinated at greater risk? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a ticking time
1: bomb. I'd say it's a slow motion explosion. And so we are seeing it hitting the younger people who are not immunized. So we're seeing a dramatic shift, like older people with COVID. I, I have to think back quite some time to think of somebody, uh, somebody over the age of 70 that I've seen with COVID in the last couple of months. And when I have seen them, it's usually been in the context of they're living in a multi-generational household. So they're often a grandparent, and their child or their grandchild or maybe even their great grandchild picked up the infection somewhere and brought it home to a large household with older people living there. So it is affecting the younger people. I don't think the virus would mutate to be more effective at attacking younger people, but because of their participation in work, their participation in school, perhaps a little bit more casual disregard to social distancing among younger people, we are seeing it affecting younger people uh, to a much greater extent than we were seeing a year ago.
0: Dr. Curry, uh, one of your specialties is vaccination. Where does the, where do the vaccines fit in the big picture? I hope this doesn't sound like a silly question, but uh, I'm, I'm, we see the variants development, and I, I imagine there are variants we're not even aware of yet. Are are, var- are, are vaccines the long term solution, and and are we going to be able to p- keep up with the The variants of the COVID vaccine or the COVID uh, uh, virus with our vaccine development—it's
1: it's it's a good question, and I think we probably will. We've had a pretty resounding success with our vaccine development so far, and it feels like we've been waiting a long time for these promised vaccines. They were our light at the end of the tunnel, and now we have these variants, which have, to some extent, less of a less of a response to the vaccine-induced antibodies. But I think, I think the big thing was the speed with which we developed these new vaccines has underlined that <clears throat> we can respond pretty quickly to it. So it seems like a long wait, but in the grand scheme of things, going from an unknown virus to vaccines with over 90% effectiveness within a year, that's a stunning accomplishment. That's a stunning accomplishment. Within, I think, 48 hours of Chinese researchers releasing the sequencing of the COVID virus, at least the sequencing as it was at the time, within 48 hours, the preliminary Moderna vaccine had been developed. So the new technology and the mRNA vaccines and these adenovirus vaccines really give us a remarkable ability to adjust our vaccines in the future pretty quickly. So we may need to keep getting booster shots for COVID. I think that's altogether possible. But so far, these vaccines have been incredibly successful, incredibly quickly.
0: Yeah, the the CEO of Pfizer is saying, a booster shot uh, next year, is, is what they're expecting. How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about the sixteen week wait between vaccinations between jabs?
1: That's um, that's a good question. I think most likely, I think it's a fine approach. From the data we have the 12 at about day 12 after the first vaccine the rate of infection of covid in both of the mrna vaccines and similarly in the in the adenovirus type vaccines the johnson and johnson and the and the um, the uh, uh the uh, uh the uh, uh, the oxford zeneca vaccine both of those are highly effective just under two weeks after the first vaccination the only pause i would give is that the four month pause has not been studied in studies and definitely public health was resorting that they, they're they pretty sure it would work for four months. But they were saying that when the vaccine had only been on the market two and a half months. So it's hard to draw firm conclusions about vaccines, uh, about how they'll act in four months when you've only been using them for two and a half months. So I think theoretically it should work fine but I would be a lot more comfortable if we would have had a good study and solid evidence that it was
0: going to work as opposed to a belief that it's going to work. One more question for you, Dr. Curry. From a B- British Columbia perspective, we're a year plus into battling this coronavirus. Are we further ahead, given all the parameters that you've explained to us, are we further ahead than we were six months ago? Are you, as some doctors are, fairly confident that we'll be in a much better place as far as reducing the impact of COVID is concerned by this fall? Yes, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident between vaccination and to
1: some extent herd immunity. um, But mainly vaccination, I think we're going to be living a quite different fall of 2021 than what we were living in the fall of 2020.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites.